Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Good morning, everyone. Welcome today to the House of the Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, we are really appreciated and are grateful for this opportunity to, to worship with you. We're going to be looking today at the uh, book of Luke, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. That's Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake uh, Gennaraset. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little further from the land. Then he sat down, uh, sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. This morning we're starting a new series uh, titled Walking with Jesus. And we're going to be looking at Peter, uh, the disciple, uh, the apostle Peter. And as look at his life as he walked with Jesus uh, as a disciple and see what we can learn from it. And, and I know some people are asking themselves, why in the world Peter? Uh, he was a mess up. He was imperfect. And yes, Peter, uh, he made a lot of mistakes, but he also did a lot of things right. And much like us, we're imperfect. In fact, for me, I jokingly refer to Peter as my spirit animal. Uh, I've, I actually relate quite a bit to, to Peter, especially post or pre, uh, uh, you know, uh, resurrection of Christ and pre, uh, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, because the truth is, uh, Peter was impulsive and he was rash, and though he was dedicated and devoted, he also thought with his uh, thought uh, and spoke before he thought. He constantly put his foot in his mouth, and uh, he was always aggressive and rash and acting before thinking and and, and uh, speaking before thinking, and uh, you know, imperfect person. He did things right and he did things wrong. Uh, so we're going to look at him and see how what we can learn and how we can live our lives uh, and see what we can learn from Peter today. Now, when you hear the word surrender, what is the very first thing that comes to your mind? Is it positive? Is it negative? Does it bring fear or does it bring peace? Does it immediately bring to your mind a situation or circumstance that you've Faced or are facing that word surrender. Um, I know when I think of the word surrender, it actually brings about a negative connotation for me. Um, probably because I'm a negative person, I'm a negative Nelly, but the truth is, uh, when I hear the word surrender, I'm not thinking of it in a positive way. In fact, when I hear the word surrender, 
uh, there's a uh, particular life event that pops right up into my mind almost immediately when I hear that word. Uh, and I equate it with this particular experience. And it was not a positive experience. Uh, I had uh, been married a short time and um, had, a, had a family. And I had a public disagreement with my supervisor at this time. Um, he was not known to be a patient man. Uh, and I was uh, stressed and um, I disagreed with the way that he was handling a specific situation, the way that he was acting and the way that the decision or so that he had made. And so I uh, confronted him about it and I, I acted out. And the truth is I was very immature uh, because I not only was disrespectful to him, uh, I did it in front of my fellow co-workers. And so uh, he very quickly pulled me into his office. Uh, and he made it clear. He said, look, I can continue to rebel against his authority and find another job, or I can surrender and stay employed. I mean, that is how he laid it out. He said, I can continue to be rebel against him and be disrespectful uh, and uh, go look and look for another job that day, or I could surrender and I could stay employed. And because I had that family that I mentioned and because I needed the income and I could not afford to just quit my job, uh, I had to suck it up. I had to surrender. I had to submit to his authority. And as a result, I was able to keep my job. But it took swallowing my pride. It took swallowing my arrogance. It took admitting that I actually was wrong as well. And uh, it, was a, it was a very negative situation for me. So for me, the word surrender brings up a negative connotation. But for the purposes of this message, as we talk about surrendering, I want to use this definition from Webster's uh, Dictionary. It says, to give oneself up and to the power of another. To give oneself up and to the power of another. And here's the truth. Uh, whether you have a, a negative uh, understanding of surrendering, it can make you feel negative, or if it makes you feel positive, if it makes you feel afraid, or if it makes you uh, feel uh, peace, whatever your uh, connotation is as it relates to that word, here's the truth. We all surrender ourselves to some power that is a person or something that is above us. All of us surrender to something. Uh, we may think that we're independent, we may think that we need no one, we may think that we answer to no one, but the truth is, there is something that we have surrendered ourselves to in our lives. And many times, we try to surrender ourselves to multiple things. Let's look at what Rick Warren, he says, everyone eventually surrenders to something or someone. If not to God, you will surrender to the opinions or expectations of others, to money, to resentment, to fear, or to your own pride, lust, or ego. You were designed to worship God, and if you fail to worship Him, you will create other things to give your life to. You are free to choose what you surrender to, but you are not free from the consequences of that choice. You and I surrender to something, and there are benefits and consequences depending on who and what we, we surrender our lives to. So when you and I begin this message and we're thinking about that word surrender, let's be honest with one another, let's close our eyes, let's reflect what have we surrendered ourselves to? What have you re re uh, surrendered yourself to? 
Has it been a relationship or relationships? Has it been uh, your job? Is it your job? Is it a habit that controls us? A series of habits. An attitude, maybe negativity, anger, bitterness. Maybe it is our pride or our ego, our desire to always be right. Uh, whatever it is, we surrender to something. And Jesus is the one that we should be surrendering to. And it is who Peter surrendered his life to. And we're going to look at three aspects uh, that are so wonderfully demonstrated here in Luke chapter 5 of how Peter surrendered his life. It's such a beautiful uh, picture of what surrender, surrender means as I am speaking of it today. And keep in mind as we go through this message that you are surrendered to something and I have surrendered myself to something. But the truth is, is that if we surrender ourselves to the right authority, it should bring peace and not fear. It should bring joy and not anger. Surrendering ourselves to the wrong authority will bring anxiousness and fear and doubt and discouragement. It brings momentary pleasure, but that pleasure is fleeting. But surrendering ourselves to Christ, to Jesus, that can be the best thing that we ever do because that surrender is surrendering to someone who has your best interests at heart and someone who has eternity in mind and not just a moment in time. Jesus has uh, our, our lives in mind from beginning to end, not just a moment. And so if we surrender to him, we give everything to him. We serve him. Then we don't have to be worried or afraid. So let's look today and look at how Peter surrendered to Jesus. If you look first at chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennariseth, and he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So the very first picture that we have here is that Simon Peter is surrendering his possessions. He's surrendering his possessions. Uh, Jesus is now preaching to the crowd, um, and he, uh, they are pressing in on him and taking up so much room, and they're pushing him further and further back, and they're here at the Sea of Galilee. That's what this lake uh, is referring to, he's, he's at the Sea of Galilee, and they're pressing in, and, and uh, James and John and Peter and some other fishermen's boats are there on the shore, uh, and, and the, the fishermen are away, and they're washing their nets and getting things cleaned up. They had been fishing all night, we'll learn here in a moment, and uh, they were just cleaning up their gear because it was important to take care of your gear so that you could use it the next night. I mean, this was their livelihood, and so they had to take care of it, and so they're busy focusing on cleaning and getting things ready. And Jesus, as he's being pressed upon, he decides to step into one of the boats. And uh, I'm sure he, he chose specifically because he was teaching a lesson. He chose Peter's boat. And as he steps into Peter's boat, uh, Peter looks up and sees him. And he says to Peter, listen, come and uh, help us get away. Get me away from shore a little bit because I've I got to talk to these people. And they're, they're pushing me, they're pressing me in next to the further and further closer 
to this water. And so uh, Peter doesn't just leave Jesus to get, you know, say, okay, here's the keys, and let him get in the boat and push out from shore. But he actually gets in the boat with Jesus and helps him get out the distance that he needs to get out to be able to effectively preach to this crowd. And so Peter turns over his boat. Now listen, uh, this boat was his livelihood. This boat represented what he needed to feed his family, to take care of his children, to take care of his wife, to take care of those who he was in charge over. Uh, this boat represented that to him. It was a means to take care of his family. It was a prized possession. And Jesus steps right into his boat and says, I need to use this, even though I know you're busy doing something else. I don't know about you, but if, uh, if that happened to me and suddenly someone just stepped into something that was very valuable to me, uh, I know how I am with my simple computer at home. I have my, my, uh, my work computer at home and I use it for my job. And I don't like when people uh, touch it or want to get on it because I have my desktop set up in a specific way and I have things organized and I have my storage space where I want it to be. Uh, and I've got everything set up the way that I want it to be set up, and I don't want someone else touching it, right? I don't want someone else messing with it. And also, I don't like to use any other computer but that one. I'm used to it. I've been using it for years. Uh, I'm a creature of habit. That's something that I'm comfortable with. I don't want to give it up. So uh, even when it's broken, and, 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 and recently it just had an issue when the system board had to be replaced. I did not like having to give it up for a week so they could replace the system board, right? That's my computer, I use it, and I don't like other people touching it, and I get defensive, even though they're perfectly qualified, and in this instance, uh, Jesus, quite frankly, at least in the terms of man, is not qualified to, to use this boat, right? He was a carpenter, not a fisherman. He was a carpenter, not a sailor, but yet he gets in the boat, and he steps right in, and he says, hey, let's get away from this shore, and uh, Peter had a choice to make. He was busy, the boat was his. He knew Jesus couldn't operate the boat. Uh, he could have just said, ah, try to, you know, do it yourself, uh, whatever the case may be, but he didn't. He, he picked up his net, or left his nets, uh, and he went and he got in the boat with Christ. He had to give up his possession so that Christ could use it for ministry. The first thing that you and I have to surrender to make us usable by God and to make our lives usable and malleable and changeable, to make ourselves usable, is we have to be willing to give up our possessions. The truth is, is that all of them, everything that we own belongs to God anyways. And when I'm talking about possessions, I'm talking about everything. Everything that God has made us stewards over. Because listen... We don't own our time, we don't own our talents, we don't own our abilities, we don't own our homes, we don't own our jobs, we don't own any of those things. The world wants us to think that we own those things, but the truth is, those things come from God. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, everything, James, right, everything that's good comes from God. So that means every talent, every ability that you have, uh, everything that God's blessed you with, it comes from Him, and therefore, it belongs to Him, and He has made us stewards over them. And so, uh, you know, we become very protective of what's ours. And we don't want to give up what's ours. I mean, families are destroyed over money, destroyed over, you know, inheritances and wills. 
because people want what they want, and they don't like when other people get what they think they deserve, right? Uh, and it comes to, 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 this unfortunately comes to us as it relates to God, is that we, we have a hoarder mentality where we're not willing to give to God back to him what he first gave to us, right? We're like, uh, you know, if, if God got into the boat, Jesus got in the boat and said, I need to use your boat, we tell him, sorry, buddy, you need to get out. I don't have time for that right now. Right? If Jesus wanted to borrow some money from you and say, you know, uh, I need, uh, need $500, uh, we'd say, sorry, Jesus, I don't have it right now. Meanwhile, I'm making a, you know, I'm, I'm going out to eat uh, six times a month and spending 1200 bucks a month. Right? To go out to eat. Or five, four or $500 a month to go out to eat. Or shop on Amazon. Right? Uh, we don't want to give up those possessions. Because man wants what he wants when he wants it. We work hard uh, we, uh, to, to get, we believe, what we, what we have. We think that we're the ones that have met our own needs. And so, therefore, we don't like to give those things up. And, but the truth is, is that it must be given to Christ because it's his already. It's really a mental attitude, a spiritual condition where you and I must decide, this is God's already. I'm going to give it back to him. Allow him to use it. And when you and I give our possessions back to Christ, it frees us to not be controlled by them. Because what we surrender ourselves to is what we serve. And possessions are no different. If you and I serve materialism, if you and I uh, you know, are serving our, uh, because of our great gifts or our great talents or great abilities, uh, you know, if we're, it now masters us. If we're not willing to turn those things over to be used by Christ, then they master us. And we're surrendering to them and not surrendering to Christ. And, uh, you know, God will not allow anything to be put before him. That's idolatry. And idol, idols don't have to just be physical. They can be uh, talents, gifts, and abilities. Anything that you and I put before God, people, persons, whatever, if we don't recognize that those gifts are given by God, so therefore we should be willing to give them back to God, uh, then we have a problem. It's like Abraham. God had made that promise to Abraham about Isaac, and Abraham had waited and waited and waited, and finally Isaac comes, and then after Isaac is old enough, and uh, but God tells uh, Abraham, you need to give him back to me. You need to sacrifice him. To me now, God had made a promise that Isaac was going to be the one that uh, that fulfilled all the promises that God had made to him about a great being a great nation and all the things that God was going to do through his uh, you know through his his bloodline through his his family uh, and, and yet now God said I need him back I want him back and Abraham had a choice to make he could either trust God and say, God, you gave him to me. And as the book of Hebrews says, God, you gave him to me, and you are perfectly capable of raising him from the dead, even after I sacrifice him. That's what's written in the book of Hebrews. He's, or he could say, God, no, I'm selfish. He's mine. I just got him. I'm not letting go. He belongs to me. Do you know how long I toiled and how long I waited and how long I, uh, I cried and feared and angered and was frustrated uh, to get this gift? I'm not giving it up. But here's the thing. If we don't willingly give it up, God can forcibly take it as well. And of course, if God forcibly takes it, he's just doing so to humble us, and it will have grave consequences. But if you and I have a spirit, a cheerful spirit, a giving spirit, a happy 
uh, giving attitude, it can change everything. And that starts with surrendering those possessions and recognizing who owns them to begin with. The second thing is that Peter had to surrender is that Peter had to surrender his pride. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 7 says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled other boat, uh, both boats so full that they began to sink. And so once again, not only has is, is Jesus stepped into Peter's boat and commandeered it, uh, now uh, he's telling Peter, after everything's done, to go out and fish again. Now you've got to recognize here that Peter was a fisherman. This was his livelihood. The Bible tells us that he was in business with his friends, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, and, and, and probably others. And uh, they were, um, you know, these were their livelihood. They knew how to fish. They were anglers, right? Uh, I would not dare tell someone uh, who was an expert in, in an activity that they were doing it wrong or correct them or tell them that if they did it a different way or did it at this time instead of when they chose to do it, uh, that they would get different results. Why? Well, I'm not an expert. And I'm sure Peter was resentful. This response here is not a polite response in that he's not like, oh, yes, Jesus. He's like, are you kidding me? We were out all night long toiling. That's when you're supposed to fish, right, Jesus? I've been doing this my whole life. My friends have been doing this my whole life. These, these fishermen know what they're doing as it relates to catching fish. And you go out at night and you fish in the shallow waters and then you come back. And we've been out all night long and we caught nothing. What you're asking me to do is the exact opposite. You're asking me first to go out in the middle of the day and then you're telling me to go into the deep waters. You don't fish in the deep waters. You fish in the shallow waters at night. Uh, you're asking me the opposite of what I know to be true. Jesus, why are you doing this? Uh, but then he says, nevertheless, because you've asked me, Master, I will do it. The word master there is teacher. It means teacher. And so uh, he um, goes and he goes ahead and with Jesus in the boat, he goes out further he goes out in the middle of the day. He's tired. He's smelly. He's, you know, halfway through cleaning his gear to get ready for another late night, uh, you know, so that they can catch fish because they've had such a terrible haul before, um, you know. And he, I'm sure he's muttering under his breath because you and I would be muttering under our breaths too if someone came, up to, came and told us after we had been unsuccessful at something that we were really, really good at that we were doing it wrong or that if we did it a different way uh, that we would get different results this time. See, that comes down to pride. Peter had to surrender his pride. He was a good fisherman. He was a gifted fisherman. He had been taught his whole life how to fish. But it doesn't matter what you and I are talented and gifted at. When Jesus tells us to do something, we do it, and we do it the way that he tells us to do it. Even if it seems the opposite of what you and I uh, would normally do. Why? Because he's God. 
And he created the laws of nature, and he can break the laws of nature at will, and he knows what he's doing. And in this story, when, when Peter swallowed his pride, and he didn't just keep arguing with Jesus, and he didn't fight with Jesus, but he made the decision that he would go and he would uh, uh, you know, do as Jesus had commanded, he was rewarded greatly, so much so that the, 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 the fish flew, they, they, they went right into the net on their own. I mean, they filled up his net so much. And just as one boat, that the boat began to sink, they couldn't get them all in. So they called for James and John from the shore to come, and they filled up their boats. And both boats were so full of fish that they began to sink. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. But it took Peter swallowing his pride so that God could do something great, so that Jesus could do something great. And here's the key. Many times Jesus cannot use us, God cannot use us, because we have not surrendered our pride. We still believe that it is us and not the Holy Spirit operating through us. Because here's the deal. You can be the best teacher in the world, but if the words are not anointed by God, they will not accomplish the purpose that God has for them. You can be the best singer uh, in the world, but if that music is not anointed by God, then they will not have the impact that God has for it to have. You may know every melody, every pitch. You may know every theological term, every Greek word, every Hebrew word, every Aramaic word. You may be a theologian above theologian, as Paul would say, a Pharisee among Pharisees. But if we are not anointed and serving and being obedient to God, if we are acting in a prideful manner and not surrendering that gift to God, then that gift will never accomplish the purpose that God has for it to accomplish. You can sing like a nightingale. But if we're doing so from a heart of pride and not surrender, it will not accomplish God's purposes. It can never be everything that God intended it for, to be because of pride and arrogance. Teach and preach and nothing will happen. It falls flat to the floor because it's done so out of pride and out of arrogance. Pride in one's own self and one's own abilities and one's own talents. And that's why the, the God does not like pride because God knows that he is the one that gives and takes and he's the one who exalts and tears down. He's the one who humbles and the one who exalts. That is God. And that's why Paul wrote in the book of Corinthians that God chooses to use the, 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 the weak things to confound the wise and the foolish things to confound the wise and the, the, you know, so that they, when, when, when God uses someone who's broken and, and, and has no, uh, is not prideful and, and who seems to have lost everything or has no gifts and has no abilities, all of a sudden uh, he gets all of the glory. And just like on this day, uh, Jesus upstaged the fishermen. Jesus upstaged men who had given their lives uh, to fish a carpenter. Why? Because he was God, and God does not need man to work. He chooses to use man to work. And God can take obedience, and he can make it turn into something great. And Peter, swallowing his pride and doing what Jesus told him to do anyways, even though it may have been done grudgingly, resulted in a bounty of fish. And I've heard... Uh, some theologians actually teach that it was this bounty of fish that allowed these men to give up their lives and follow after Christ. They caught so many fish that they were able to sell and they made such a windfill and profit that for that three years, three and a half years that they were in ministry with Christ that they never had to really fish again. 
that their families were taken care of. They made so much money to support the, the ministry because of that. And I don't know if that's true, but uh, I've, I've definitely read a lot of theologians who do. And, and, and it wouldn't surprise me because that's how God works. He provided everything they needed for the time uh, that they would need it because they swallowed their pride and allowed him to work instead of them working. And Jesus got the glory. If you and I are prideful and arrogant in our hearts, if we will surrender, he will use us to do mighty and wonderful and great things. Let's surrender that before him and recognize that God is the one who made us. He's the one who knows how we operate. He knows our weaknesses and he knows our strengths. And if we will surrender our will and our pride to him, then we can accomplish great things for this morning, think quickly about your life. Is there something in your life that you are prideful about and you believe somehow that, that uh, you know, uh, you, you refuse to relinquish that over to God because you know what you're doing? I will tell you a personal story. For years, I had a memory, as you would say, like a steel trap. Uh, I could read something uh, or write something down and remember it and not forget it. It's what actually allowed me to be such a great teacher or helped in making me a great teacher when I was much younger as I was teaching the Bible because the truth is, is I could study something, write it down, and if I wrote it down once, I was going to remember it. I wouldn't have to look at my notes. I would have notes there, uh, but I wouldn't have to look at them, and it allowed me to be able to move away and talk and not get lost as I do now in my train of thought and not, you know, uh, chase rabbits and stuff. Why? Because I had it all here and it was easy to express myself. I could go from place to place and jump around. It was all here. I, my memory was, was the one thing I had above all other things. And when I ran from God uh, and, and as fast as I could, I kept that memory for a long time until God got my attention through a terrible car accident. And ever since that car accident, I haven't been the same. My memory is not what it used to be. Uh, and uh, I still can remember things uh, better than, you know, than, than probably some folks, but in terms of being able to get up here and preach without notes or being able to uh, not lose my place, to be able to just write something down and remember it for the rest of my life, I can't do that anymore. It was taken from me because I was being prideful and arrogant, and God allowed me to see that I need him. And he'll take that gift away if it means I'll serve him instead of the gift. Don't make that mistake. Don't serve the gift instead of serving the one who blessed us with the gift, the one who gave the gift. We must surrender our pride. So we must surrender our possessions. We must surrender our pride. And we must surrender our passion. Verses 8 through 11 says that when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. And don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon, from now on you will be catching people. Then they brought the uh, boats uh, to land, left everything, and followed him. Now, it's interesting to note in verse 5, as I pointed you out, out to you earlier, is that Jesus, uh, that Peter called Jesus master, which simply means teacher. But then in verse 8, he calls him Lord, which means ruler. So in verse 5, he called him teacher. 
But in verse 8, he called him Lord. So when he surrendered his, his uh, possessions and he surrendered his pride and God did something amazing because he surrendered those two things, all that left Peter was he suddenly said, wow, you're not just a teacher, you're also Lord. So even, even though Peter pulled in the fish, it was Jesus who told him what to do. Right? Even though Peter is the one and his friends are the ones, his partners were the ones who pulled in the fish and hauled in the fish and put the boats out there, it was Jesus who told them what to do and which side to put the nets on and exactly how to, uh, to catch that many fish. And he recognized that. And so Jesus went from teacher to Lord. And Peter was amazed by what Jesus had done. And he realized that this was someone special and different, that this was a divine authority, something that he had done his whole life. Jesus was able to do in a second. He never fished a day in his life. And here in, in this instant, he was able to do more uh, than Peter had, catch more in a day than Peter had probably caught in months or years. Peter was amazed. And so, he gives his passion to Jesus. His life's work. Everything that he was, he gives it to Jesus. So he gave Jesus his possessions. He gave Jesus his pride. And then he gives Jesus his passion. For Jesus says to him, Peter says, look, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. He says, I am giving up my dignity. Right? I, am, I am falling on my face before you. You are God. You are, uh, you are the ruler. Uh, I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. And he, he, uh, he says, God, I, I give up. Uh, get off my boat because I don't deserve to be here. I'm unclean. And Jesus tells him, listen, Peter, you're no longer going to catch these kinds of fish, but I, I'm going to have you catch men. You're going to be a fisher of men instead of a fisher of fish. And so Peter's passion changed. His passion changed from fishing for fish to fishing for men. And the Bible says there in Luke chapter 5 that they got up, they got rid of everything, and they went and followed Jesus. That supports what I said earlier, that they caught so much fish that they were able to sustain their families for years while they followed after Christ. They made so much money from that catch of fish because of surrender of pride and surrender of possessions that they were able to, uh, to leave everything and follow after Christ. And then they, he surrendered his passion by giving up that which he'd done his whole life and turning and following after Jesus and doing everything that Jesus asked him to do, to be a fisherman of men. So instead of a fisher of fish, he was now a fisher of men. He gave up everything to follow after Christ. He surrendered it all. And he still made mistakes. And he still made bad decisions. And he still put his foot in his mouth. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't the moment that his life was changed forever and he never messed up again. Because he did. But his life was changed through this moment. And that he gave up everything. See, one of the ways that God knows that you and I have surrendered is when we're willing to give up everything that we were attached to and follow after him. Are you and I willing to give up everything that we're attached to, everything that we've surrendered ourselves to throughout a lifetime of, of, of living? Are we willing to give up those things and follow after him? Am I willing 
Am I willing to give up my job for him? Am I willing to give up a relationship with, for him? Am I willing to give up something I enjoy for him? Am I willing to give up a habit for him? Am I willing to give up something that brings me momentary peace and pleasure for him? Am I willing to give up something that I've dedicated my life to for him? You know, Jesus had a habit of, of affecting people that way. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a greedy, arrogant, prideful tax collector. But when he heard Jesus was coming, Zacchaeus wanted to see him so bad that he even gave up his pride to climb up a tree so he could see him, which was not dignified at all for a person who was as wealthy as he was. And when he met Jesus and Jesus came into his home, Zacchaeus' life was changed, and he was no longer surrendered to money and pride. He was no longer surrendered to, to, to material things. He surrendered to Christ, and the way that we know is that he gave back everything that he stole plus. There was that life-changing moment where he changed direction. When you and I surrender, our life will change direction because we'll now be following after Christ and not following after ourselves or after other things. And when you and I surrender ourselves to Christ, it should give us peace and comfort knowing that he's in control, that he's in charge, and that he loves us and has our best interests at heart. Back when I was a kid, I don't know the politically correct name for these. We called them Chinese handcuffs. They were finger cuffs. You might know what I'm talking about. They're kind of like a, a wickery material and uh, open on both ends, and you put your fingers in, and when you try to pull them out together, they get stuck. And you cannot, no matter how much you pull because of the pressure and the tension, the way that the trap works is you are stuck, and your fingers are stuck there together. And as long as you fight against it, you are stuck. As long as you fight against it, honestly, you are hopeless. You, you've got your fingers stuck. You're not going to be able to tie your shoes. You're not going to be able to make your dinner. You're not going to be able to do anything because you're, you're stuck and you're fighting against essentially yourself instead of surrendering. I remember the first time I, I tried those on. My dad got me to put them on and he was laughing at me as I tried to pull them off as a, as a kid. And he started telling me what to do, but I wouldn't listen to him. He was telling me how to take them off, but I would not listen to him. And I just kept fighting, trying to pull my fingers out, because obviously you just had to pull stronger. You had to pull harder. I just wasn't strong enough. And I kept fighting and pulling my fingers to, to get them free of these, uh, of these fi uh, finger cuffs. And he was laughing. He was trying to tell me how to fix it, and I wouldn't listen. And then finally, after I got so frustrated and upset, I began to cry. He I stopped and I listened and he said, you do it like this, stop moving. And when I stopped moving, he said, put your fingers together. I put my fingers together and then he showed me that if I stopped moving, that then I could take one finger out and I would be set free. So often, we're bound by things in our lives that we've surrendered to. And the answer to get set free is Christ. And the answer is right there before us. But we're so struggling to, to answer it ourselves. To be in control. To be the one that makes our own decisions. To be the one that does our own thing. To be the one that controls our own life. 
that were like that, that trapped in those finger cuffs. We pull and we pull and we struggle and we struggle and nothing seems to get better and we can't uh, do everything that we want to do and things continue to get worse and we continue to fall into fear and anxiety and doubt and worry and, and we continue to make poor choices and poor decisions and we continue to, for our lives to spin out of control and we're in control, we're, you know, we're struggling, um, you know, but we won't listen to the one who can tell us how we can be set free. See, being set free is surrendering to the one who loves us. And when I surrender to the voice of my father, and I listened to him, and he took me in his hands, and he showed me how to take them off, I was free. But I had to first surrender to his voice and stop trying to do it on my own. And he had to get me to the place, I had to get to the place with that, that I was crying and upset and crying, feeling absolutely helpless and hopeless before I would surrender to that voice. If you're in that place today and you feel helpless and hopeless, maybe it's all of this COVID-19 stuff, all the things that's happening around us, you're worried, you're afraid, you're scared, you feel like you're out of control, you feel like uh, th things are, are, are out of control and you don't know how to fix it and you're trying to do stuff, you're you know, trying to collect unemployment, you're going and, and trying to get groceries or stock up and stuff and it just seems like things aren't getting better and, uh, you know, things are going wrong in your life and you just can't figure it out, whatever the case may be, stop struggling. It could be God just saying, sit still for a minute and surrender to me. And if you'll surrender to him, he'll set you free. He'll set me free and our lives will be changed. Give him our possessions, give him our pride, give him our passions. And God can change the world. As we'll see through the life of Peter these next few weeks, God took this instance, this moment, and even though Peter still made mistakes, God used Peter to change the world. A man who was imperfect, a man who was arrogant, a man who was prideful, a man uh, who was impulsive, God used him, and God can use you. Even right now in all this uncertainty, God can use me and God can use you to reach people if we will surrender ourselves to him. So this morning, close your eyes, bow your head, and just think to yourself where you're at. What is it that I've put in front of God? What is it have I not surrendered to him? And this morning I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I confess my dependence upon you and I humble myself before you in all things. And Father, I ask that you would take control of my life. I ask for your mercy and your forgiveness for trying to control things myself and chase things myself and, and, and chase after things that were not of you and to, to make decisions apart from you and to make choices apart from you, God, and to, 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 to not surrender to your will and your purpose. And I ask you for your forgiveness, God. And I ask, Lord, that you would have mercy upon me and that you would open my eyes that I may see you. I surrender to you, God, my possessions. I surrender to you my time, my talents, my abilities. I surrender to you my job. I surrender to you my relationships. I surrender to you everything that you have blessed me with. I surrender to you my health. I surrender to you all of these things. I surrender to you, God, my pride. I, I surrender to you my pride and my arrogance and my fear and my doubt and my worry. I surrender all of these things to you, God. I surrender to you my destiny, my purpose, my passions, God. I give that all to you. And I ask, Father, that your will would be done in my life. Let this be a time of change in me. 
Father, that I would surrender to you and this would be an obvious changing point in my walk with you. As you mold me and guide me and direct me, I know I'm going to make mistakes, but God, I know that you can change me and help me. And I confess that I need you and I surrender myself to you. I thank you and I worship you and I honor you. God, I ask that you would be with each one of these, God, as they watch. Move upon their hearts. Put your protection around them. Guide them and direct them. Give them wisdom. Help them, Father, to see opportunities to reach and minister to others, God, to pray for others, to serve others, even during this time, God. And help us, Lord Jesus, to be your hands and to be your feet, to not be so selfish and inward focused, but, God, to think about others and how they're suffering. God, think about others and what they need and help us, God, to meet those needs to look for opportunities to bless others, to be your hands and to be your feet. Let your will be done. Help us, guide us, go with us, and direct us. We thank you and honor you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. May God rich and bless you, rich and bless you this week. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we ask that you leave us a note, leave us a comment, let us know that you watched, uh, let us know if something stuck out for you, ask questions. We are here for you if you need anything, if you need for us to pray anything specific for you. Let us know. Comment on this video. Send us a message on Facebook, an email from our website. Whatever the case may be, we're here for you. We may not be able to physically touch you, but we can minister to you spiritually. We can maybe meet your needs uh, in another way, and we want to serve you during this time. So we love you. We appreciate you. God bless you, and may you have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.